Access more. This is Equip and Empower, the Christine Kane podcast. For everyone who desires to bring hope, create change, and live out their God-given destiny with passion and joy. Here's your host, Christine Kane. Hey guys, it's Chris here. I'm so excited to welcome you to our Hello Summer series right here on the podcast. My prayer for all of us is that we learn how to move forward in strength. Now, over these next 10 weeks, we will commit to growing spiritually as we trade up for God's best in our lives so that we're equipped to do just that. Now, before I tell you about our first episode, I want to encourage you to go to christinecane.com forward slash podcast to download a copy of the Hello Summer Reflection Guide that we've put together just for you. It includes a few prompts for each episode to help you go deeper and really use this time to grow. Okay, so on to today's episode. We are kicking off this series by trading our anxiety for God's peace. In our world that seems to be crazier by the day, peace may feel further out of reach than ever. But in today's episode, I want to remind you that peace can still be ours. We can overcome the fear and anxiety in our hearts that is holding us back from all God has for us and experience a supernatural peace no matter what is happening around us. Are you ready? Let's dive in. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. And I know that God is going to speak to you in a powerful way. I'm loving this series. We're talking about strengthening your spiritual core. Just like we have a core in the natural, you know, those exercises you don't want to do. We're doing our sit-ups. We're doing our push-ups. We're doing our planking. We got to, sometimes I've got to stand against the wall like this for like 60 <laughs> seconds, but I don't have to do that right now. But what we do is we strengthen our muscles from the inside out. That helps us to hold our head up taller, to walk straighter, to be stronger. And you don't know you need Need your strength until the moment that you need your strength. You often don't know that you don't have any strength until you need strength and go, well, what is it? And it's your core that is weak. Well, it's exactly the same in the spirit. In the spiritual realm, we have a spiritual core. And we looked at the Bible in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 24. The Bible says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. That's what they did to Jesus frequently. Asked him questions to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I love that. That's where Jesus just gave us the cliff notes of the whole Bible right there. <laughs> he said, it all comes down to this. You need to love God with everything that you are, everything that you have, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, every fibre of your being is what you're to love God with. And also, by the way, love your neighbour as you love yourself. Now, what we have found is that we often do love our neighbour as we love ourselves. It's just we don't like ourselves. <laughs> And often when you don't like yourself, that's going to be reflected on the way you love other people. And so we love God often with a very broken heart, with a very, very wounded soul and with a very, very tormented mind. And so if you are living with your spiritual core muscles broken and 
fractured and fragmented, then it's highly likely that you're viewing life through the lens of that brokenness. You're viewing other people through the lens of that brokenness. You're viewing your relationships, whether it's your marriage relationship, your workplace relationships, your relationships in whatever sphere of influence you have. Often we really reflect our own brokenness on other people. And if our heart's broken, you know, you you see if you've had a breakup or if someone has just broken your heart, it really does filter the way you see everything and it filters the way you approach life. And if your soul is wounded and damaged, you know, sometimes we can walk away and we can fake it on the outside, but if someone presses that button, it comes out. It really, really does come out. And often our minds, man, if people could just get in our heads, we are so grateful that people cannot see what's going on in our head because we're like, well, there's a lot of people talking in here at any one time. And oftentimes it's just tormented, tormented. Someone watching this, you haven't slept for three weeks because you have just been so tormented and you have not known any peace and you just keep waking up at two o'clock every single morning and you just keep going round and round and round. I'm believing in the name of Jesus that the grace of God's gonna touch you right where you are, that the power of God's gonna touch you. You're gonna know the peace of God and that from this night forth, you are gonna sleep and not wake up again. You're gonna sleep all the way through knowing the healing peace of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. It is amazing. How many of us are so broken and fractured because of what's going on? So what are we going to do? It's, you know, basically the next couple of weeks, you know, we're going to get on this program and we're going to do some spiritual core muscle strengthening. So in the spirit realm, you're about to plank. In the spirit realm, you're about to do some push-ups. You're about to do some sit-ups and we're going to strengthen that core because the stronger we are on the inside, the more effective we're going to be on the outside. And it's so crucial. So, you know, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. I'm not surprised that God starts with our heart. And the issue is, you know, if the, the Hebrews used to refer to it as the core of someone's being, the hub, the wheel of our existence is our heart. Because the truth is, if we're to love God with all of our heart, it means our whole life revolves around God. That's who we love Him. You know, I'm married to Nick. Nick has my heart. So my life revolves around my family, my husband, my daughters, and decisions I make come in light of that. Well, if Jesus is our first love, That means the decisions that we make are with Him at the centre of everything. See, some of us, we just visit Jesus on a Sunday and He's like, "Uh, what about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday? And we just think, well, you know, Jesus just has my spiritual life. He says, I don't want your spiritual life. I want all of your life. I want all of your heart. Because when you, He has our heart, He's got our life. A lot of us, we try to kind of just modify our behaviour so we can do good things to follow Jesus. But He says, if I have your heart out of your heart, is going to flow uh, great behaviour and a life. Do you know, when your heart's in something, it is amazing what you will do. So, you know, my daughter, she's 16, and getting her out of bed in the morning, I mean, it's like trying to raise Lazarus every single day, every single day. And particularly if there is an exam at school, I'm like, seriously, I don't know what. She goes into this deeper sleep and we're like, okay, we're going to the tomb again today and Lazarus has to get up. But if my daughter has a shopping date with her girlfriends on a Saturday morning, I am not joking. 
The kid is up at like 6am with no alarm, getting ready, hair, makeup, every item of clothing in the wardrobe is worn uh, before we even know what we're going to wear for that. And I'm like, I go in, I go, why don't you have this energy on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Oh, mum, that's just school. I go, it is still the same body. But, you know, she's got no interest in going to school. She's got a lot of interest and going shopping with her girlfriends. She's my social butterfly. She is just in the middle of everything. But isn't it amazing when you want to do something, you'll get up at six o'clock in the morning. You will just be there and she will do anything I ask. If I ever want, okay, you're you're not going anywhere if all your room isn't tidy. It is amazing what I can get when she wants to go (laughs) shopping with her friends. It all gets done. But you, you just see the same kid, The same whole situation, but everything changes because suddenly their heart's in it. Suddenly their heart is in it, so nothing's too hard. Cleaning my room, yeah, mum, would you like me to go to the store for you, mum? Do you want me to pick up anything else? I'll even pick up the doggy dunner. You know, I'll do everything, mum, without you asking me because my heart's in my friends and I want to go. See, when your heart's in something, you know, it's the same as with Jesus. If your heart's in it and you orbit your life around him, no, no one has to make you read your Bible. No one has to make you go to church. No one has to make you keep yourself morally pure. No one has to, you know, make you have a quiet time. No one has to make you because you want to, because your heart's in it. You're like my daughter that can suddenly get up and everyone's like, what is up with you? You're up having a quiet time? You're reading your Bible? What what do you mean you're not going to get drunk? What do you mean you're not going to sleep around? And it's not that you're trying to be a goody little two-shoes. It's just like, no, he's got my heart. He's got my heart and because he's got my heart, I wouldn't want to do anything that hurts him. Because he's got my heart, he knows what is best for me. So I'm going to stay faithful to my spouse. I'm going to, you know, honour God in everything that I do. I know it might not make sense and people might think I'm a little bit cray-cray, but I'm going to keep honouring God. Not because I'm a boring little Christian and I'm just a Christian nerd and I just wear beige and I have no personality (laughs) and I never go out anywhere because I'm a little Christian. I'm just trying to be good until the rapture. Hurry up, Jesus, because I really want to be bad, but I'm trying to be good. (laughs) And we try to turn our Christianity into this big behaviour modification. It's just hard trying to be a good Christian. Everyone else is having fun. (laughs) And that's never what Jesus said. He goes, no, no, no. If you give me your heart, we're going to have a great time here together. And you're going to do it because you want to do it, not because you have to. And your Christianity is not going to be about all the things you're not allowed to do. It's going to become all the things you can do. You're not even going to want to do the stuff that, you, you, that I've told you not to do. And the only reason I've told you not to do it is because it's destructive to your life. And because I am good and I do good and I want the best thing for you, I'm going to tell you how you operate best. I created you and so I'm your manufacturer. A manufacturer knows how a product works the best. And since he made us, he knows how we operate. But he knows we were not created just to sleep around with everybody. We were not created to to steal and cause pain and heartache and be selfish and greedy and lustful. That does not maximise our life or our potential. He says, no, I made you to be better than that. I created you in my image. You were created to be loving, to be kind, to be generous. To You were created to be fruitful. You were created to flourish in life. So if you do this other stuff that I've asked you not to do, it's not because I'm trying to make you not have any fun in life. It's because I know this is going to cause you not to flourish in life. I know that this is going to cause you to live underneath the purpose and the potential that I have for you. You're not going to soar into your destiny. So he says, if you give me your heart, it's amazing. It's amazing. Don't make your Christianity a boring religious obligation. 
Don't make it something that you have to do. I, I still wake up, I'm 30 years on with my relationship with Jesus and I'm still like, I can't believe I get to do this. Not I have to, but I get to. You know, I've preached a lot in 30 years. Some would say probably too much, but you know, I've, I've spoken a lot, but I still got in the car this morning. There was a little glint in my eye. There's a little spring in my step and I'm like, here we go. This thing's going to go around the world. Jesus, I cannot believe this. I used to dream of this stuff when I first got saved. And I think Christians ought to be like that. There ought to be something about us. A little glint in our eye, a little spring in our step. We ought to be a little bit naughty. Not, not illegal, <laughs> not immoral, not unethical, just naughty. Just where people are like, what are you on? Are you smoking something where we have such a zest for life? Where people look at me, I go to my kids' school and I'm like nearly 52, so I'm the oldest mother. I'm older than some of the grandmothers in my daughter's class, you know. And they're like looking at me going, how can you have so much energy at, you know, nearly 52 years old? How can you have been following Jesus for 30 years and you still love it? And it's because I love him because he is my greatest love. He is my reward. He is still awesome. I'm still following him. This was never a boring religious obligation to me. It was a love affair with Jesus. I wonder if you love him. I wonder if you know how much he loves you. See, when you get a revelation of how much Jesus loves you. You don't have to work to try to earn that love anymore. You don't have to try to impress Him. He loves you, He made you, He knows every fault and every failure that you and I have. And you know what? He still loves us. Scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, He died for us. Man, even for a good person, someone wouldn't die. But the fact that God died for us while we were still sinners, that means there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any less. And He's come to woo our hearts. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says that we are to keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow all of the issues of life. I wonder how your heart condition is today. Do you know all of the issues of life stem from the human heart? In every realm of life, that's what Scripture says. It says, guard, protect, garrison your heart because everything, you know, a lot of you, you've got relational issues right now. Do you know what the problem is? It is not the toothpaste that your spouse is using or not using. <laughs> it's a condition of our own heart. I wonder some of us, how are, is the spiritual life flowing in our heart or did it get clogged somewhere? Have we become bitter? Have we become angry? Have we just become indifferent? Have we become bored? Have we allowed shame or guilt or condemnation to clog up and harden our arteries? A friend of ours recently went and, um, to a, a clinic and had a full body test and a full health assessment. And the doctors that night immediately um, admitted him into hospital and said, you're about to have, your arteries are clogged. If you didn't come in for a test, you could have died from a heart attack. You are headed for a heart attack. And they put a stint in his heart to allow the blood to flow through his heart and into the rest of his body in a right way. See, some of us, we don't realise we're on the edge of a spiritual heart attack. We don't realise that our spiritual arteries are about to be clogged up, that there is toxicity that is flowing through our heart. That's what bitterness, that's what unforgiveness, that's what shame and guilt and anger and lust and greed and envy and gossip and slander and guile, that's what it does to your heart. It actually hardens your heart. 
and it actually stops and thwarts the flow of the Holy Ghost going through you. And so then out of you is not flowing rivers of living water. I wonder if I came to your house and asked your children, what is flowing out of your mouth? (laughs) You're all like nervously laughing. Okay, so it's like, I can't believe this because you wonder when was the last time living water flowed out of your heart? Words of life, words of hope, or are you just full of murmuring, grumbling and complaining? If I was to ask your spouse what you're like to live with, I mean, if I was to ask anyone in your family, if you're single, the, you know, your flatmates, the people that are around you at work, if I went into your sphere of influence and I asked those people, is she fun to live with? What would they say to me? Is he fun to live with? I often ask my kids, am I fun to live with? I want to be fun to live with. I don't want to be the boring mother that they look on TV and go, well, man, I wish she lived it. I'll tell you one thing my kids will tell you, that she is the real deal. You know how cray-cray she is on TV? That's how cray-cray she is at home. She just really is what she is. I just love God. And even if I'm deluded, I'm blissfully deluded. 30 years, they said to me when I first started following Jesus, oh, she'll calm down. You know, she's just in a cult. She's just all excited. Just she'll settle down. Well, 30 years later, I'm still waiting to settle down. I am more on fire. I am more pumped up. I am more going for Jesus. So if I'm deluded, it's a blissful delusion. But how has that happened? Because I've made a decision that I'm not going to allow toxicity into my heart. 30 years running a global ministry, hundreds of staff in 13 countries around the world, many, many relationships over that time. Do you think I haven't had the chance to become bitter? Do you think I haven't had the opportunity to become offended, to exercise unforgiveness, to be jealous at times, to compare or to compete at times? Of course, I'm tempted like everybody else with all of those things every single day. So I've got to make a choice to bring my heart before Jesus, to bring my heart before the Word of God and let it be a mirror to read me and say, you know what, Christine, let me tell you what's going on in your heart. You might be able to fool some of the people some of the time, but you'll never fool God. You will never fool God any of the time. And so we come before Him and say, I, I can't tell you, probably for the last 18 months, one of the very consistent prayers in my life has been when David, the psalmist, cried out to God, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I'm like, God, creating me a clean heart. Lord, this world is really toxic. And if you're on social media for any amount of time, if you're in the public space for any amount of time, and you know, you are then anyone that puts their head up above the crowd, then let me tell you, you are going to be attacked. You are going to, everyone's going to have an opinion about everything. Um, And so you've got to learn, okay, God, I need daily, I need you to create in me a clean heart. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's why when some people go, well, you know, my heart's right. I'm going, how do you know? (laughs) The heart is deceitful above everything. Who can know it? And God says, I'm going to take out your heart of stone. I'm going to put in a heart of flesh. I ask God for a supernatural divine heart exchange all of the time. Because you know what? I can't even trust my own heart. There are so many times I think my heart's right. I think when I'm interacting with people, you know, I go, well, at least. And sometimes I think we hide behind that. Well, at least my heart's right. And God's like, well, you know what? It really isn't. <laughs> it, it, it actually really isn't. I know you think it is, but why don't you bring your heart before my word and let me read it to you. Let me tell you what's going on in your heart. Is there an issue from your past, some unforgiveness? Is there some anger? Is there some bitterness? 
Is there some rejection? Have you built a wall around your heart? And you know, you built that wall to protect yourself. You, someone hurt you and you said, no one will ever do that again. I will never trust like that again. I will never love like that again. And you have built a wall and that wall was meant to protect you and for a season it was okay. But now that wall has become a prison and it's kept you in and it's kept God out of those places in your heart. And God says, would you give me access to that part of your heart? Would you allow me to work with you so that we can bring forgiveness to that situation? We can exercise grace in that situation. We can extend some mercy to that situation. Let's deal with that hardened part of your heart that's gotten toxic. And, you know, you try to cover it, but every now and again, it's going to come out. We can hear some of that toxicity come out. You might tweet that toxicity out. There's a subtweet message to somebody else <laughs> who's not even really reading it. You know, they've gone off Twitter five years ago, but you're still subtweeting to them. <laughs> and you'd be amazed how many people still have a grip on your heart if you're not going to let God cleanse that heart all the time. And I think it would help us all to consistently go, God creating me a clean heart. I can't tell you how often I pray that. Sometimes when I read reports and see some of the injustices that traffickers do to our girls in A21, and um, it can make me get so angry. And there is a righteous anger. Don't get me wrong. There is a time to turn over those tables in the temple and say, this is unjust. And I have no problem um, prosecuting those cases and seeing traffickers put in jail. We need to show them that it is not okay to traffic human beings. But you've got to be careful that your heart doesn't get hardened. I've got to be careful not to allow that anger and that root of bitterness to take root. And the Bible says it will defile you and many others. And some of us are defiling other people because of the unresolved issues in our own life. And we're doing that on social media. We're not just impacting ourselves, but we're impacting others. Others of us with our gossip and our slander, it's because of undealt with issues in our own life. That root, it's taken root in our hearts. And that root of bitterness has defiled us and many others. And let's be a people of God that are not defiling the world around us. Let's allow God to do something deep on the inside of us to unclog our spiritual arteries. It is so important. Insecurity, fear, shame, jealousy, lust, greed. Say, God, I need open heart surgery. Someone you've just tuned in and God wants to do spiritual open heart surgery on you. He is so gracious. He's so kind. But you've got to allow him into the depths of your heart and say, I don't want my arteries to be clogged. I don't want to be toxic to the people around me, whether it's to my parents or to my family or to my spouse or in my workplace. I don't want to be making people in my present pay for what people in my past did to me. I often say this, I come from a background of abuse, but you know what? If I didn't allow God to heal my heart, I would be making Nick, my beautiful husband of 22 years, I would be making him pay for something he never did to me. And some of you people are paying for something that they never did to you. But because someone abused you in your past or maybe a father mistreated you. And so now, you know what? You are not uh, respectful to an authority figure or, and you're trying to make them pay for something they never did. Somebody else did. And you never allowed God to go deep and heal your heart. And the Bible says that he binds up the brokenhearted. How beautiful is that? It's not that our hearts aren't broken. Our hearts are constantly broken. But are we willing to take our hearts to God and say, okay, will you bind that up for me, God? Will you bind up my heart so that my heart can become strong again and it can pump spiritual life, just like your heart, a healthy heart, 
pumps blood to every part of your body. Well, our spiritual heart is what pumps the life of God into every circumstance. Some of us are trying to change our circumstances, but we're not letting God change our heart. Unless you allow God to change your heart, your circumstances will not change. You might be able to fool some people for a little bit of the time, but eventually your heart is going to override that situation. So let God come. That is the greatest mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He transforms the human heart. I mean, this is it. You can't legislate the human heart. You cannot do anything else but allow Jesus to transform it. That's why ultimately the greatest cure for humanity is the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, if our greatest need was for better education, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need was for more science, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need was for more money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need, if all of society's problems could be fixed through politics, God would have sent us a politician. But our greatest need was for salvation. So God sent us a saviour to transform our heart. That's what the gospel is all about. Jesus transforms the human heart. So would you take your heart to God? The Bible says in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. It's a choice. Do you know we're living in chaotic times? We're living in turbulent times. So would you take your heart to God and say, God, I'm making a decision. My heart's not going to be troubled. And you know what? That's not easy to do. You've got to be in the Word and in the presence of God to not allow your heart to be troubled with the cares of this world. You know, Psalm 61 too, David writes, when my heart is overwhelmed, not if, but when. So we all get to that place where we just feel overwhelmed by life that He says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You can take your heart to a rock that is higher than you. I love it. He says, cast your care on God, 1 Peter 5, 7, for He cares for you. Did you know God cares for you? Someone needs to know that today. Your God cares for you. Your God loves you. And sometimes we think, God, do you even care? And I guarantee you, someone has just switched on and you were thinking that in your head. And I said this and you're freaking out. You're going, whoa, is she a fortune teller? What just happened? Your God cares for you. And the Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, if your heart is broken, you will find God right there. Don't ignore the condition of your heart. How's your heart today? If your heart's broken, if your heart's overwhelmed, if your heart is anxious, if your heart is weary, Take your heart to God. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. God cares for you. Your heart is safe in the hands of God. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today. We hope today's message has encouraged and helped you. By the way, we'd love to see you positioned to experience all the great things God wants to do in your life. And we've got a special gift that'll help you do that. Just go to christinecane.com forward slash podcast devotional and download your free copy of Christine's 14-day devotional, Spiritual Growth Spurts.